pray with me. Father, hear our confession today. We need you. More than we need to be entertained. More than we need something to eat or something to drink. More than we need air. We need you. Oh God, you have made us for yourself. No wonder we're restless, Lord, until we find rest in you. So today I pray that you would give us the grace to know you, Father, Son, and Spirit, one God on this Trinity Sunday. Help us to know you so that we can better know ourselves. We need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So I wonder, how are you? Some of us who've worked in VBS might say, we're exhilarated and exhausted at the same time. It's been a great week and uh, exhausting week, and I look around at the faces of the people who made that happen. Some memories I'll carry with me this week. Uh, our decision, decision services with the children, where we got a chance to talk with them about how God changed Saul into Paul and how God is still transforming us, that that's the good news, that we can change. And I treasure time with our treasures this week, an unforgettable game of Uno with uh, our treasures and uh, somebody giving me a plus four and, and just loving being with our friends in that older treasures class. I mentioned to you some weeks ago that it seems odd to me. Is it odd to you that some of the best fathers I've ever known didn't seem to have great earthly fathers to show them how to do it? I'm sure I've always been aware of this, but it's like one of those things that was like a trickle of understanding that's become a waterfall in recent weeks. So when I went with my family, as I often do on Memorial Day weekend, my little brother came along this year and we met my dad and his cousin, whom we call uncle because they grew up together. He's five or six years younger than my, my dad. And we walked through the same cemeteries we always do and by faith, we don't get chiggers, which is awesome in Missouri at this time of year. But while we were walking through, my younger brother, who lives here in town, noticed the tombstone of my cousin's dad. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? And so he says to my cousin, so what was your dad like? And my cousin stopped. And my dad kind of took a breath, and my cousin said, what was my dad like? Yeah, I never knew my dad because he left when I was born. And 
he came back when I was eight years old. I met him, but I didn't really ever know my dad. He said, I don't think anybody knew my dad. He looked at my dad. He said, did you know my dad? And my dad was like, I didn't know your dad. And then he looked at my brother and he said, I've always thought he left when I was born because he thought I wasn't his. And it was quiet in the cemetery. It was a moment where somebody opened and revealed a wound that felt like it could not possibly be healed. And as we just stood there and we had our flowers, our plastic flowers in our hands to put on the, the graves because we were there for decoration day, I was just reminded again. And so later in the day, I, I got a moment with my cousin and I said, man, you have four sons, all start with a J, uh, Jeffy, Jimmy, Justin, and Jason, and you have seven grandsons and two granddaughters, and you're one of the best dads I've ever known. So who was the male influence in your life? And he said, am I, am I really one of the best dads you've ever known? He said, I'm not sure about that. I said, what about your granddad that you and my dad live with? I mean, was he, because he's kind of a hero to my dad, but my dad's older, understand. And he said, yeah, he died when I was so young. I don't really remember much about him. But he said, you know, my mom, she was a pretty good mom and dad. She taught me how to hunt. She taught me how to fish. She took me to church a lot. And I thought, as I pondered it in weeks later, and as I thought about this, our first Father's Day without Melanie's dad, who, uh, who was also a great father and maybe didn't have a great earthly father to show him how, I thought, so maybe these guys found a father in God, and that enabled them to be better fathers to their kids but I know for sure, having taught men's life all those years, and we talked about the father wound, the absent father, the abusive father, the angry father. We talked about these wounds that fathers can inflict on their children. I know for sure, as I look around this room, that we are imperfect uh, children of imperfect parents. And that if people are honest, like my cousin was in the cemetery, almost everybody's got a wound. And then I wondered on this Father's Day, who will heal those wounds? Would you open your Bibles with me to Psalm 103? You know this psalm. In the old translations, it wasn't praise the Lord, but it was bless the Lord, because there's four Hebrew words for praise, but this is the only one that means bless. And it starts out, bless the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, 
who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. And then, verses 8 to 18, would you stand with me in reverence for our God and his word? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant, and remember to obey his precepts. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So what an amazing benefit package. You see it there in verses 1 and 2 in Psalm 103. If you just want to keep your Bibles open, we're going to refer to it for a few moments before we come to the Lord's table. And what we see in Psalm 103 is that we shouldn't forget all of his benefits. And benefit number one is he forgives all your sins and he heals all your diseases. And this passage simply paints a picture. And I thought about David's story because David wrote this psalm. And David had a father named Jesse. And David had a wound from his father named Jesse. I don't know how deep it went, but I know it was there because on the day when Samuel came knocking on their door in Bethlehem and said, today we're going to anoint a new king, and Jesse, guess what? It's going to be one of your sons, and Jesse lines up all of his sons, but he doesn't even bother to invite David to come in from the field. Somebody's got to take care of the sheep so one of Jesse's boys can become king. So Samuel sizes him up, and the Lord sizes him up, and finally Samuel says, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse says, well, I got the one who's watching the sheep. And Samuel says, yeah, go get him. I think he's the one who's going to be the king. And David has a father, and he's got a grandfather and a great-grandfather. It goes back, remember, to the Boaz and Ruth story. It's an amazing story, but he also has kids, and we could just agree together today without casting aspersions on David that he was probably a better military and political leader than he was a family man. Is that safe to say? You know the Bathsheba and Uriah story and then the tragedies that befell his family and the sons who were lost and Absalom, oh Absalom, my son, my son. And in a family like that, it strikes me that David probably, we don't know, but he probably wrote this psalm Later in life, when he had experienced enough of God's forgiveness 
to know how to give that forgiveness to his kids, to his dad, to others. It's a powerful song. That's what the Psalms are. These, this is the hymn book of the Old Testament. And this is like, this is not like, um, you know, the, the lowlands or the little um, foothills. This, this is the Himalayas of the book of Psalms. We're on Everest right now. When he teaches us God's forgiveness in a way that foreshadows the whole New Testament and points the way to a God who can actually forgive and can actually heal. And I was just thinking about all the wounded people I know, and I just remember the times I taught about the absent father wound to our men's life groups. And hearing men sob as they came to terms with the pain in the lives of their own fathers and themselves. And I found myself wondering, in a world of wounded people, in a room full of wounded people, how do we find healing for our wounds? And I believe the answer is in the gospel and the story of the scripture. It turns out since God is the kind of God who can forgive us, by His grace, we can forgive others who have wounded us. I don't mean by that that we can say, oh, it was okay that you wounded me. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is release. We can release them, and if you'll receive it, we can release ourselves. We can forgive ourselves. So in this passage, three things he teaches us about forgiveness. First of all, that it's comprehensive. It's in that word all. Some want to look at the word sins, and some want to look at the word sicknesses there. But I'd like for us to look at that word all, because I don't want us to miss it when he says in that benefit package, who forgives all your sins. This is why I think it, probably David was older when he wrote this. I heard about a, a young pastor who had just graduated from seminary and he went to a church and he talked about sin and forgiveness. And one of the ladies in the church told her husband, I don't want to listen to him talk about sin. And her husband said, that's not like you. Why don't you want to hear him talk about sin? And she, she said, because he hasn't lived long enough to sin enough to tell me anything about it. He's talking about sin, like the little girl who walked up in the testimony service and said, for years I wandered in the degradation of sin. Not likely. Not likely at eight years old. But, but what is likely is that David has this sense that there's this accumulation of mistakes he's made in his lifetime. And maybe you, like David, had this idea in your mind that, that somewhere deep down there's a sin in your past that not even... God can forgive. And in thinking that, you would be wrong. Forgives all our sins. Heals all our diseases. The word for diseases there really can mean physical illness. But David had prayed for one of his own sons to be healed. David knew that God doesn't always heal 